What a blessing to see you all here tonight. Please take your Bibles. Join me in the book of Daniel. Daniel chapter 6 as we return to our Wednesday night series through this book. Well, remember in chapter 5, we have seen the end of the Babylonian Empire and the beginning of the Medo-Persian Empire. Belshazzar, the king over Babylon, has been killed, and Darius the Mede is now in power. Daniel, who was taken captive as a young man, has served the Babylonian monarchy for 70 years, holding various positions and a couple of very high positions during the reign of Nebuchadnezzar. And now in chapter 6, Daniel is essentially made the prime minister over the uh, over Darius's kingdom. And we considered how Daniel's appointment was not by accident. Daniel made some godly decisions in his youth. He developed some godly habits and he stayed with them and they followed him the rest of his life. And it's no accident that at his age, likely mid-80s, maybe even more, he's now put as really number, number two in the kingdom. And I give Darius credit, amen, that he saw that in Daniel. But the challenge for us was if we also want to have a lifetime of faithfulness, we, we need to start living for God today. We need to start developing those habits now, because if you're not willing to live for God now, why would you live for Him later? So no matter your age, it's time to stop living for self, and don't waste your life. We don't know when we're going to be called out of here, so don't waste it. Live your life for God now. Well, remember how the other two presidents and all the princes didn't like how Darius had elevated a captive of Judah to such a high position of importance. And so they seek for some error and or fault in Daniel in hopes of having him removed, or as we'll see later, in hopes of having him killed, as they'll try to do later in this chapter. They want this man dead. But they can't find anything against him. Therefore, they conclude the only way we can find something against Daniel is if we find something against him concerning the law of his God. Now, these are pagans who are observing this about Daniel. And to that I say, what a testimony that even the lost would conclude this. There's no question Daniel walked with God. And may we all strive to have this great of a testimony in the eyes of the lost world. Well, I want to revisit the first five verses again this week as there's more I want to draw out here before we move along. In Daniel chapter 6, look with me please, beginning in verse 1, the Bible says, It pleased Darius to set over the kingdom an hundred and twenty princes, which should be over the whole kingdom, and over these three presidents, of whom Daniel was first, that the princes might give accounts unto them, and the king should have no damage. Then this Daniel was preferred above the presidents and princes because an excellent spirit was in him, and the king thought to set him over the whole realm. Then the presidents and princes sought to find occasion against Daniel concerning the kingdom, 
But they could find none occasion nor fault, for as much as he was faithful, neither was there any error or fault found in him. Then said these men, We shall not find any occasion against this Daniel, except we find it against him concerning the law of his God. And so we see how Daniel has been preferred above all others by King Darius. The king has set him over the whole realm because Daniel possessed an excellent spirit. And as I already mentioned, this did not sit right with everybody else under Daniel's leadership. And so they seek an opportunity to take Daniel out. Now understand, Daniel has done nothing wrong. He's been a faithful, dedicated leader through successive governments over many decades. He's not a lazy man. He shows up on time. He puts in an honest day's work. He's not shady. He isn't making up his own perks because he feels like the company owes him. Concerning his faith, while he takes advantage of opportunities to witness, as we have seen already in this book, he's not bombastically condemning everyone around him. He's just living godly. Micah 6.8, He has showed thee, O man, what is good, and what doth the Lord require of thee, but to do justly, and to love mercy, and to walk humbly with thy God. Daniel's behavior is exemplary, both in the eyes of man and God. So much so, they can't find anything wrong with Daniel. I'm not sure I would have that testimony when I was in the military. Somebody would find something wrong with me, amen. They can't find anything wrong with him. And surely a man of such character is going to be highly respected by everybody in the realm. But no, they don't like Daniel. And we've seen this in other places of the Bible. King Saul hated David without a cause. Jonathan, his Saul's son, he pleaded with his father, don't kill David and be guilty of, of, of innocent blood. And David would write in the Psalms, in Psalm 35, 7, For without cause have they hid for me their net in a pit, which without cause they have digged for my soul. Psalm 109, in verse 3, They compassed me about also with words of hatred and fought against me without a cause. Jeremiah the prophet was hated without a cause. He wrote in Lamentations 3.52, Mine enemies chased me sore like a bird without a cause. And though the Apostle Paul doesn't put it in those exact words, we can gather through his circumstances that he was hated without a cause. There's a lot more people we could cite, but of course we're reminded of Jesus, who was hated without a cause. Psalm 69.4, though written by David, is a messianic psalm foretelling of Christ. And it says, They that hate me without a cause are more than the hairs of mine head. They that would destroy me, being mine enemies, wrongfully are, are mighty. And in John 15.25, after Jesus talks to His disciples about Him being hated in the world and us being hated in the world, He says, But this cometh to pass, that the word might be fulfilled that is written in their law. They hated me without a cause. 
And I figured while I'm here, I might as well remind us as believers that we're cautioned against acting that way. Uh, Proverbs 3, 29 and 30, Devise not evil against thy neighbor, seeing he dwelleth securely by thee. Strive not with a man without cause, if he have done thee no harm. Proverbs 24, 28, Be not a witness against thy neighbor without a cause. Jesus said in Matthew 5, 22, But I say unto you, that whosoever is angry with his brother without a cause shall be in danger of the judgment. Now what we need to understand is that while none of these who hated these people had a justifiable cause legally, they all have something in, in common, those who were walking with God. And, and so those who hated others without a cause, they simply just did not like their relationship with God. And that's what I want you to get here as we open, open up this section again. Daniel's hated. He didn't do anything wrong. He's just walking with God. And there's just people like that. Saul didn't like how God used David. How dare they sing that I have slain thousand and David his ten thousand. And he didn't like David's persistent godly behavior, even though Saul routinely tried to provoke him. Judah didn't like Jeremiah's message from God. The religious Jews didn't like Paul's preaching of the gospel of Christ. And they didn't like Jesus saying that he and his father were one. John 10, 31-33, Then the Jews took up stones again to stone him. Jesus answered them, Many good works have I showed you from my father. For which of those works do ye stone me? The Jews answered him, saying, For a good work we stone thee not, but for blasphemy, because that thou, being a man, makest thyself God. They just hated his walk with God. And the common denominator in all these who were hated without a cause is the fact they were with God. And so if you find yourself ever being the target of being hated without a cause, you're in good company tonight. And I bet you can trace it back to your walk with God. Remember, we don't wrestle flesh and blood, but this is a spiritual battle. So why are they so against Daniel? It isn't because of his work ethic. It isn't that he's crooked in his dealings with others. It wasn't because he didn't do good. It isn't because he has an axe to grind with everyone around him. But the bottom line is, they don't like how he worships the only true God. And that just got under their skin. And I know some of you are finding yourselves in similar situations, for you have told me. Your workplace is toxic, if you will. You're hated because you don't celebrate Pride Month. Everybody with me? You're hated because you believe God made us male and female. You're hated because you don't agree with abortion. You're hated for believing in God's design for the family. And you work hard. And you do good work. You're respectful of others. And you're not nasty to those who choose a life of wickedness. But you're hated because you stand righteously with God and His Word. 1 Peter 4.12 Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you as though some strange thing has happened to you. 
I want to encourage you to just keep standing. Keep shining the light of the glorious gospel of Christ. And listen, if, if, if you stay home, I know some of you are stay-at-home moms, you need to pray for your man. And if both spouses work, you need to pray for each other. It's hard going out there, I know. And you're out there 10, 12 hours a day in that mess. You hear language nonstop and you hear filth all day. And you're going to be hated sometimes. But I want to encourage you, just, just stay with it. By all means, get your position on record. Right? You ought to preach. Get your position on record, but then move on with your life. Romans 12, 17 through 19 says, Recompense to no man evil for evil. Provide things honest in the sight of all men, if it be possible, as much as lieth in you. Live peaceably with all men. Dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves, but rather give place unto wrath. For it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith the Lord. You just have to turn that over to God. You keep living for God and you let God deal with them. And in those moments when you find yourself standing alone and you find yourself with a target on your back for standing for what God says is right, go to the pavilion of God. He is our pavilion. Run to Him. Go to His Word. Psalm 18, 2 and 3, The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my God, my strength in whom I will trust, my buckler and the horn of my salvation and my high tower. I will call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised. So shall I be saved from mine enemies. Psalm 119, 161, where do you go? You go to God's Word. Princes have persecuted me without a cause. That's exactly what's happening to Daniel. But my heart standeth in awe of thy word. And Psalm 119, verse 78, Let the proud be ashamed, for they dealt perversely with me without a cause, but I will meditate in thy precepts. So you just keep running your course. God has us all in a race, and you keep running your race. You keep fighting the good fight of faith. Be wise as serpents and harmless as doves. Don't give up. Stay with God in His Word. Now back to Daniel. Out of an empire so vast, there were many gods being worshipped throughout the land. They were polytheistic to begin with. And I would imagine these other two presidents and the 120 princes didn't all worship the same god or gods. And yet, their disdain for God and the God of Daniel unified them all against Daniel. And this has always been the case. Once our enemies share the same enemy, they now have common ground with each other to stand against their new enemy. Their hatred of an enemy is greater than the hatred they had toward each other, and that's what now unites them. We saw this after 9-11. We were under attack, and all of a sudden Republicans and Democrats seemed to be getting along for at least a short period. And I tell you now, we're so diametrically opposed today, there is no middle ground. I've seen the same kind of a thing in a marriage. Two spouses can't seem to get along with each other, but just as soon as they both decide to hate the same person, now they're buddies. 
And just as soon as that issue goes away, they're back to hating each other. Okay, maybe that's just something I read in a book. But. <laughs> and, and the same thing happens uh, frequently spiritually. And it's manifested through politics as we see here in this chapter. There's a couple of examples of this in the New Testament. There's the example of the Herodians and the Pharisees. Uh, very long story short, the Herodians were a political religious group within Israel who believed submitting to the rule of the Herods over Judea was, was wise for political gain. And therefore, they were okay with Rome's occupation and paying tribute to Caesar. On the other hand, you had the Pharisees. They were more religious. They were a religious political group. I'll put it that way. The Herodians were more political than religious. The Pharisees were more, were more religious than political, but they both were doing the same things. But anyway, they were against Rome's occupation based upon Deuteronomy 17, 15, which says you, you can't have a wicked king over you. That's what God had told them. And therefore, they were against paying tribute to Rome. And so these two groups didn't share much in common politically or religiously. But once Jesus came on the scene, they shared a common enemy. And they united around that common enemy in their hatred of Jesus. In Mark 3, 6, And the Pharisees went forth and straightway took counsel with the Herodians against Him how they might destroy Him. Speaking of Jesus. Mark 12, 13, And they send unto Him certain of the Pharisees and of the Herodians to catch Him in His words. They couldn't get along with each other until they both hated Jesus. A similar thing occurred between Herod Antipas and Pilate. Herod was king over Judea. Pilate was the governor over Judea. And another long story short, they didn't get along with each other. And when Jesus was brought before Pilate, Jesus' accusers said to Pilate that Jesus was stirring up all Jewry beginning from Galilee. And when Pilate heard the word Galilee, he thought, aha, I can rid myself of this case. I'll transfer it over to Herod because Galilee's his, juris his jurisdiction. That's hard to say, should. Luke 23, 12. And the same day, Pilate and Herod were made friends together, for before that, they were at enmity between themselves. Well, now they're buddies. And so we see how those who are once at odds with each other, they unify together against Christ. You see, Christ is the great divider. And in a manner of speaking, in certain contexts, He is the great unifier. Do you realize that all that is happening throughout the world hinges upon a people's, a nation's, a political group's belief about God our Savior? That's what drives it, whether they admit that or not. It is, it is the opinion of, of God Christ His Word. Psalm 2.2, 2, the kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against His anointed. They unify around taking out the Lord, His anointed. Psalm 83 verses 5 through 8, for they have consulted together with one consent. They are confederate against thee. The tabernacles of Edom and the Ishmaelites and Moab and the Hagarenes and Gebal and Ammon and Amalek, the Philistines with the inhabitants of Tyre, Asher also is joined with them. They have hope in the children of Lot, Selah, 
they all unified together with one common enemy. They hate the things of God. Now, get this. A multiplicity of gods is fine in the eyes of the world. There's no way all 122 of these leaders all worshipped the same God and felt the same way. In fact, one of the problems in Babylon before they were taken over was the fact that they were arguing about which God should be the chief God. But, but that aside, a multiplicity of gods and faiths are fine in the eyes of the world. There's only a problem if somebody decides to come along and declare that there's only one true and living God. And it gets even worse when we dare to preach that the only way to the living God is through Christ. This is why all the talk about tolerance is a plot from the devil. The world's idea of tolerance is we will tolerate what we want to tolerate. They will tolerate just about anything until they disagree with it. What happens when we declare the gods of this world are not gods at all? What happens when we declare that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life? And that no man can come to the Father but through Him? What happens when we declare for there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus? What happens when we declare, neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. I'll tell you what happens. All of a sudden, the tolerant crowd doesn't want to tolerate us. Why? Because sound Bible doctrine does away with Buddhism, Hinduism, Islam, Judaism, Mormonism, humanism, Gnosticism, and any other religious system you want to name that people try to put their faith in. Sound Bible doctrine does away with atheism. It does away with the feminist movement. It does away with unmasculine men. And it does away with wicked policies. And that's why they don't like us. The world likes to preach this idea of coexisting but things that are different are not the same. And God said, I will not have my name polluted. I will not give my glory unto another. And one day, those who have refused to bow to our Lord upon this earth will bow before Him on the day of judgment. But meanwhile, here we are living this life below. We're not going to be liked by the world. Now certainly, there are many who are just simply indifferent. Just leave me alone about it. We're good. I don't really care what you do. Don't care what I do. And just leave me alone. Don't bother them. They're going to be fine. But then there will be those who are just flat out angry that you exist. They don't like you. They don't like your God. And they will attack. I know I've been on the receiving end in the military. No reason whatsoever. And, and while it may not be like it was in, in Daniel here in America, it is happening today. There are places in this world, they will kill you if you openly profess you're a Christian. Did you get what I said? And, and the fact of the matter is, the seeds are being sown and watered in our country today. And there are literally 
hundreds of examples to draw from. I got so tired of looking at them, I just took them all out. You can go look them up for yourself. People are hated simply because they stand for God and His Word. What do you mean you're not going to bake me a cake? Nothing against you. I'm just not going to bake it. I don't believe in that. You can go down to this other store. No, I'm going to sue you. Why? Why not just go down the street peacefully? Because people hate the things of God. I could, I could park it there all day. I'll simply remind you of how most of, this, most of our country's leaders deemed church non-essential during COVID. We've seen, I don't know how plugged in you are, but we've actually seen governmental officials testify as they're trying to approve somebody to serve that their Christian beliefs disqualify them for service in America. No, I didn't say Iran. (laughs) Here in America. Why? They don't want God or Christian values being the standard. They don't want Christians telling them about this living God. They don't want to be told that Christ is God in the flesh. When Jesus said, before Abraham was, I am. They knew what He was saying. In the next verse, they picked up stones to stone Him. When Jesus said, I and my Father are one, they took up stones to kill Him. What wrong had He done? So don't be alarmed or surprised when there are those in the world who just hate you. And if you're hated by the world, just remember it's really the God you serve, the Christ who saved you, and the words you stand upon that they don't like. John 15, verses 18 through 20, if the, if, if the world hates you, ye know that it hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love his own. But because ye are not of the world, but I have chosen you out of the world, therefore the world hateth you. Remember the word that I said unto you, the servant is not greater than his Lord. If they have persecuted me, they will also persecute you. 2 Timothy 3.12, Yea, and all that live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. And all the while, the older I get, and I'm sure some of you are shocked that our country has got to this point, all the while, Jesus' words are becoming more real in America today. Matthew 5, 10 through 12, Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake. Who would have thought? For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceeding glad, for great is your reward in heaven, for so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. This is how Luke puts it in Luke 6.22. Blessed are ye when men shall hate you, and when they shall separate you from their company, and shall reproach you, and cast out your name as evil for the Son of Man's sake. 1 John 3.13. Marvel not, my brethren, if the world hates you. They hated Jesus without a cause, We see in our text they hated Daniel without a cause. And it could be you're being hated without a cause or the day will come that you will be. Now, thank God we still have certain protections in this country. But we are forced to wonder for how much longer. A lot of those things reach the Supreme Court, which makes you scratch your head. Why does it have to go to the Supreme Court if our Constitution already guarantees those rights? And like Daniel in his day, so people today try to find fault with us concerning the law of our God. And that's what they say. We're going to have to find fault with him 
because of the law of his God. They take the word of God out of context. They twist the scriptures to try and make them say something they don't really say. We see politicians doing this all the time, but I'll spare you their quotes just to justify their position. It's amazing how much Bible the lost world thinks they know when they are upset. Have you met those people? Don't you just love how they like to cite, judge not that you be not judged. Oh, you believe that. But you don't believe the fact that Jesus died for your sins and you're a sinner heading for hell. It's just amazing. And of course, they take Matthew 7, 1 out of context. Keep, keep reading. Jesus said, if you get your heart right, you can see clearly enough to judge. My words. But that's what it's saying. Now, I'd have no way to verify this, but I remember reading an article many years ago that said the most quoted verse in the Bible used to be John 3.16. And today it's now Matthew 7.1. Judge not that you be not judged. Are you aware that the lost is taking Bible verses out of context to justify homosexuality? Transgenderism they're finding in the Bible? Quote-unquote finding? They're justifying abortions through the Bible. They're justifying open borders through the Bible. And that's just to name a few. And I'm simply saying that what we are studying in Daniel chapter 6, which happened over 2,500 years ago, is nothing new. Why? Because our enemy, the devil, is still the same. Therefore, we're warned in the Bible not to be ignorant of his devices lest he should get an advantage over us. We are told to put on the whole armor of God so that we can stand against the wiles of the devil. And if you're not in God's Word, you need to be. I can't even get some of you to look at your Word while you're in church. <laughs> you know who I'm talking to out there. You, you need to be in the Word of God. Titus 1.9 says, "...holding fast the faithful Word as he hath been taught." that he may be able by sound doctrine both to exhort and to convince the gainsayers. So mark it down. Our enemy will use the law of God, try to use the law of God against us, and we must be ready. We must have the answer. Well, they couldn't find fault with Daniel. And when an enemy can't find a fault, guess what they do? They manufacture one. And that's what they're going to do with Daniel as this chapter unfolds. They're going to manufacture a problem. <laughs> so much I want to say there, but my filter is kicking in, so I'll restrain. Those who hate Daniel and his God are going to corrupt government in order to achieve their goal. Kind of sounds familiar to what we're seeing today. Listen, just get in the Word of God. Know the Word of God. Daniel is going to be faced with an issue. They're going to pass a law against him. But you know what? He knew the Word of God and he said, No, I need to still bow with my face towards Jerusalem and I still need to pray. Amen. And I'll show you where the Word of God encouraged him to do that. So anyway, get the Word of God in your heart. Don't marvel if the world hates you. But listen, we can do things with the right attitude. We can say things graciously. 
with just enough salt needed. And so let's let God deal with them. Let's get it on record. And let's just keep preaching Christ. Let's pray.